I'm Doug Lewin. Welcome to the Energy Capital Podcast. For this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Beth Garza, the former Independent Market Monitor for ERCOT, or IMM. As the IMM for four years, she gained as detailed a knowledge of how the market functions as anyone around. Before that, she was at Austin Energy for 13 years and Florida Power and Light before becoming a staff member at ERCOT. Beth is currently a senior fellow at the R Street Institute. We talked about the challenges of a changing supply mix and the need to increase ERCOT's interconnections to other grids. I was happy to hear she's more optimistic on this point than I am. We got into the dangers of an unwinterized, barely regulated gas system in Texas. And we also talked about who will need to help with the integration of demand side resources and how it can be done. And of course, given her background as the IMM, we talked about market design and some of the controversial proposals to alter it. Beth is a true expert on all things ERCOT, and I think she did a great job going into the details while also describing difficult concepts, including the ultra-important real-time co-optimization in ways that are hopefully accessible to all. Please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This full episode is for paid subscribers. If you aren't already, I hope you'll consider becoming one at DougLewin.com, D-O-U-G-L-E-W-I-N.com. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Energy Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Beth Garza, welcome to the Energy Capital Podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Doug. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. I've been looking forward to this uh, ever since we we booked it. Thanks for agreeing to do it. Let's just start with just really quickly your your background. You're you're kind of an experts expert. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you came to be where you are now and some of the things you've done in your career. Uh, so the short story is I've been in the in the industry for 40 years now. It's such a big number I can't believe it. And uh, most of that has been in uh, Austin and in the ERCOP market in its various incarnations. Uh, worked for municipal utilities, generation developers. Uh, worked for ERCOT itself. And sort of culminated with uh, my service as the independent market monitor. Um, that service uh, took me until 2019. And so in the last four years, um, you know, I thought I was on a glide path toward doing something else. And um, I, there's just been so much stuff keeping me interested and engaged on the electricity side. I've, uh, uh, I'm a senior fellow with the R Street Institute. I've uh, got some private consulting that I do, um, and as long as it's still fun and interesting, I'll I, uh, I intend to continue to be engaged. Can you talk a little bit about that position of independent market monitor? Obviously, so this you know this podcast is uh, intended for both a general audience that are very interested in Texas grid issues and who's not interested in Texas grid issues these days, but also for for experts. But I want to just make sure we don't gloss over that it's such an important position. You spent what four years in that role? A uh, little over four years as the director, and was in the group for a total of eleven years. Can you talk a little bit about that that role, its importance, and and, and what's entailed in it? Yeah, so it, it you know it goes to the heart of uh, you know we talk about the markets, electricity markets, and so why do we have electricity markets? Well, basically, we're allowing competitive forces to to be the the controller and overseer, if you will, replacing regulatory oversight for the setting of prices. And so 
with that that removal of regulatory oversight setting the prices of various things and allowing competitive forces to now uh, be the determinant the the with that then you need some oversight of that market to make sure that it's really competitive forces that are setting pricing outcomes uh, in a very specific and narrow definition and so that's where the market monitor comes from. Uh, that's what our role was and in, in the market monitor role is, is to ensure that the pricing that we're seeing in the uh, competitive markets operated by ERCOT are indeed the results of competitive activity that no individual parties are, for example, exerting their market power or manipulating market rules in particular ways. Um, so that's the that's the role of the market monitor. And because of that role, we you know the group generally comes with a pretty high expertise in the market activity and the market operations, and has some expectations on what competitive outcomes should look like. And so that's where the, you know, the voice of the independent market monitor can become helpful in some of the market policy discussions that are ongoing. I've noticed a few themes in the, in the things you talk about. Um, You talk a lot about the need to interconnect. Um, I, I, I would love to, to talk about that a little bit. I've heard you talk a lot about better regulation of intrastate uh, gas. Um, so let's let's talk about that one. And the other one I hear is a theme, and a lot of the things you talk about are is the demand side. So I want to talk a little bit about both energy efficiency and demand response, and how those um, fit into markets. Let's just let's take those in turn. Let's let's talk about interconnection. Why is interconnecting so important? And and is it realistic in a in in a state like Texas that that has this sort of very deep cultural um, you know, uh, sort of um, feeling about staying independent from federal jurisdiction. Uh, so the short answer is yes. I think it's it's feasible and possible, and 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 work is happening to try to you know try to accomplish that. Um, of of all the things that our politicians were you know acting on in the aftermath of the. Uh, of, of winter storm Uri catastrophe, um, there really wasn't any action on interconnection. You know, if we want to throw money at things, there's an opportunity here to help facilitate those kinds of connections. Um, and further, there are the types of connections we're talking about are not, uh, what would be described as synchronous connections, but just a further expansion of the current um, asynchronous or direct current ties that exist. Um, the current intercon- you know, the current interconnection capability through a series of small direct current kinds of interconnections. Um, I think it's in the. I haven't added it up recently. It's it's a thousand megawatts or so. Well, we're an 80 gigawatts, 80 gigawatt system now. It's a tiny fraction, tiny, tiny fraction. And the tech, this, the high voltage direct current technology is, is it continues to improve. Adding high, high capacity direct current interconnections should be something that can be done without 
bringing the ERCOT wholesale market under, you know, FERC jurisdiction from a market perspective. I say that based on the history that we have with the smaller connections that are already in place. Those smaller connections have have been reviewed by FERC and have found to not bring us under FERC jurisdiction from a wholesale market perspective. Um, Advances in high voltage direct current uh, technology are such that, you know, adding uh, a couple of different, uh, you know, multiple gigawatts worth of, of interconnected capability is certainly feasible. The, and, and most of the time, I would expect that a lot of that capability might be useful for exporting lots of the, you know, exporting some of the renewable energy that we have here. You know, Texas sits at this great crossroad of really good wind and really good solar. That's what, you know, that's just the geography of the place. And, and harnessing those resources and potentially exporting them to other regions that might be, want to utilize that, it, you know, would, is, feels like something that should make sense for Texas and Texans. The, the good part of that, so there's a market opportunity or, you know, sales opportunity, if you will. The, on the flip side, because those connections exist, they aren't one-way connections. You can import when you need them as well. And that, you know, that lack of additional import capability I assert is what led to the URI turning from just an inconvenience of rolling outages on a couple of mornings to the catastrophe that we that we lived through and or that and hundreds of people did not live through, um, and having some additional capability to br- draw in supply from far flung regions um, is, 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 I think, to everyone's benefit in those kinds of, of situations. One, one last thought, and I can't, I don't know who to attribute it to, but one of the phrases I've, I've picked up on here recently is, you know, we need a transmission grid that's bigger than the weather. And I think that that applies to Texas as well as uh, other parts of the country as well. Yep, I think that's exactly right. So I also just want to help to put to bed a very common talking point and um, myth that's out there. You hear this all the time. Myth maybe isn't the right word, just just inaccuracy. That uh, having additional interconnections would not have helped during URI because every place else didn't have energy too. Do you want to just refute that i'm i'm happy to if you if you rather me do it but you're the guest why why is that why is that wrong well so it depends on how you you know how you define help the you know could we have gotten through could ERCOT have gotten through yuri without some form of rotating outage i don't believe so there and that's where at the at the highest demands for electricity and the lowest supply, there just wasn't enough, you know, all the way up to the, you know, uh, Ohio, basically, you know, there just wasn't enough resources to serve all of the demand that was being, that was being required uh, in the middle of the country. So would we have had rotating outages? I, I absolutely believe we would have during URI. Now, the trick is we would have had rotating outages and 
and certainly we I don't believe if we'd had additional uh, inner ties, I don't think we would have been I don't think I personally would have been in the dark for 81 hours. Let me say it. Let me bring it to a very personal level. I think the um, the opportunity to to marshal resources from uh, far flung regions would have helped us get some more supply back into the state um, and made those the increase the opportunity for those ro- outages to actually be rotating, not to be. Um, uh, Um, uh, continuous as they were. Thank you for listening to the Energy Capital Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please like, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, have a great day.